1: I mean, I don't really, just reiterating, these guys already know, you know, um, we've already been in some very physical games and we're very physical, um, just not in our own team. So um, the guys know the stand, they know the opponents we're playing. Um, just, but like you said, just reiterating that, um, don't really have to tell anything new. Um, just reiterating how tough this event is going to be and how physical it's, we need to be. That was Nebraska edge rusher Garrett Nelson. And yes, it is November. Welcome. But is there such thing as a Big Ten November? A specific season native to the Midwest, but coming soon to California? It would seem that there is, and Nelson would know. He's been through three of them already. Saturday will be his 12th Big Ten November game at Nebraska since he arrived in 2019. The Huskers have won just two of those. It's just tough this time of year, broadly speaking. It gets cold, teams are banged up, but this year for Nebraska looks particularly punchy. Think back to the offseason, when it was still possible to think anything was possible for Nebraska football in 2022, when every fan in the country is viewing his or her team as the best possible version of itself. That's what the offseason is for, by the way. Big Ten July is marked by making yourself believe your team could beat Ohio State. Anyway. Back then, when Nebraska was just a team projected to win seven or eight games, you could look at the Huskers' final month and think, yuck. Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. Four teams that are fairly straightforward and physical all in a row. And that was before we had any idea Illinois would be approaching peak b So the Huskers got a dose of Big Ten November a week early, as it turned out. Now that we're actually here, it looks even rougher than it did on paper. Nebraska would have to win out to reach seven wins. Like all other teams at this stage, it's banged up. But this week it has a huge question at quarterback, a unique strain of banged up. It's not just the physicality that marks a Big Ten November. In Nebraska, at least, it's also a question of identity. Not only do Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa play a certain brand of ball, they all also know who they are, for better or worse. When's the last time you could say that about Nebraska? Since joining the Big Ten in 2011, Nebraska has only had three winning records in November. Bo Pelini had two of them, including four and O in 2012, and overall as a Big Ten coach, he was 11 and six in the month in the month of November. Mike Riley was four and seven in November, but did go two and one his first season. The Scott Frost tenure ended with a four and eleven record in this month. He went two and two in 2018, in what s- still shocks me. Ended up being, I guess, the height of the Frost era. But since then, 2019, 20, and 21, Nebraska's 1-3, 1-3, and 0-3. In a word, Big Ten November is reality. The kind of reality you can only get under low, gray skies in the cold. It hasn't been kind to Nebraska of late. Let's see how it goes this time. You're listening to the IAD Preview Podcast, Huskers Gophers Edition. I'm Hale Varsity Managing Editor, Brandon Vogel. Let's talk some football. We'll jump into the first half this week with a quick review of the keys to last week's game, a 26-9 loss to Illinois. Uh, Number one, I thought Nebraska was going to have to force Illinois into a bunch of third downs. Uh, They came in. Averaging a really high number on that front and hadn't been particularly good in conversions. I thought Nebraska needed to force at least 17 third downs. Came up a little short at 15, but the bigger issue was the elite I converted 46.7% of those. Key number two, the big play passing game. That is Nebraska's best trait offensively at this point. Needed to see some gains out of that. Uh, I, I set the number pretty low, uh, such respect I had for Illinois defense going into last week and Nebraska topped it. I thought they'd need to be over 12%. They were at 19%. Problem was all of that was with Casey Thompson at quarterback. When he went down, things entirely changed third key Nebraska came up just a little bit short on this one. Uh, Illinois entered the game. As one of the more fumble-prone teams in the country, I thought if Nebraska could get two fumble recoveries, uh, it would have a shot to be in that game. Ended up with one, and when it didn't convert that that fumble early in the second half, it was pretty much game over from there. So that's the review of the game, fell. We'll move to this week's game with a look at the opening line. Circus Sports on Sunday afternoon opened this at... Minnesota minus 11 that was before anyone knew the status of quarterback Casey Thompson which we'll get to in a bit uh, it was up to minus 16 for the Gophers midweek ESPN's SP plus power ratings ranked the Gophers 20th this week with a rating of 14.2 Nebraska's 68 with a rating of 1.8 so still viewed as basically two points better than the average college football team but Combine those numbers with a a two-and-a-half-point home field advantage, and you're looking at a line of Minnesota minus 9.9. ESPN's FPI is in a similar spot. It ranks Minnesota 19th with a rating of 10.9. Nebraska 74th minus 1.9. Combines for a line at Memorial Stadium of Minnesota minus 10.3. And neither of those power ratings, of course, are factoring in the potential for a backup quarterback. They're just not built to do that. Also, both, both power ratings have Minnesota ranked ahead of Illinois this week. That's seven and one Illinois, which I suppose is why some people hate power ratings more on that in the second half of the show. But for now, we'll move to the key players portion, start with Minnesota and probably start at the most obvious spot possible, but it is running back Mohammed Ibrahim if he hits a hundred yards on Saturday, it will be his seventeenth consecutive game doing so, which would make for the longest streak by an FBF's player this century. He's currently tied at, at sixteen straight games over a hundred yards. Mickey Joseph Joseph called him a quote unquote monster, which pretty much says it all. He's third nationally with thirteen rushing touchdowns this season. And if you don't don't like monster Uh, Or if it's not evocative enough, Garrett Nelson called him a bowling ball. So there you go. Number two for Minnesota, cornerback Justin Wally. Freshman All-American last year. Wally hasn't missed a beat this year. He's got two interceptions so far, along with two pass breakups. He's the young guy in a secondary where the rest of the starters are fourth or fifth year players. It's a pretty tough and solid group again, uh, which was the case last week with Illinois. Though, Nebraska did find some success when uh, Casey Thompson was out there throwing the football. Third for the Gophers, tight end Brevin Span Ford. He leads the team in targets, receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. He's helped Minnesota survive some injuries at, at wide receiver. Without him, this offense might be in a, in a much different spot. Spanford's kind of their tough catch, tough yards guy. So when Nebraska does get to third downs, uh look for look for Spanford to get the ball thrown his way quite often. We'll flip it over to Nebraska now. And before we jump into this, because it involves my top key player for the Huskers, uh an update on the quarterback situation going into this and uh for the purposes of the rest of this show of, of breaking down the game, I'm proceeding with the, I guess, assumption that it's going to be Purdy or Chubba Purdy or Logan Smothers at quarterback. Mark Whipple said this week, you'd see both of them, but it's possible that Thompson is, is not out of the picture on Sunday night on his coach's show. Mickey Joseph said Thompson basically, was was probably out this week. By Tuesday, things had gotten a little bit better. Joseph diagnosed him as quote-unquote day-to-day uh, at that juncture. And then on Wednesday, Thompson, Thompson did practice a little bit, though Whipple said he expected to use both Purdy and Smothers in this game, operating under the assumption that it, it would be a bit of a surprise if Thompson is the first guy out, on On Saturday to to take the first snap for Nebraska. I'm assuming, based on what this offense likes to do and is built to do under Mark Whipple, that Chubba Purdy probably gets the call, and he's my number one key player for the Huskers this week. We'll see some others, some too. But with, with Nebraska's receivers, with the success it's had through the air, if Purdy is the best thrower... I suspect he'll be the pick, and it wasn't pretty last week. Braska would do well to get him some manageable throws early and maybe even a few designed runs just to get him into the flow of the game. Getting some confidence early is going to be key. More on that in the second half of the show as well. Number two, uh, not venturing far off the well-worn path with this one, but linebacker Luke Reimer came back from injury last week and led nebraska in tackles this will be a big one again for nebraska's best player in my opinion on on the defensive side of the ball right now reimer's on pace for 91 tackles this year but i wouldn't be surprised to see him hit the century mark again despite missing a game he was over 100 tackles last year third on the list I'm going to go with wide receiver Marcus Washington yes back to the Washington well I've mentioned him at least once maybe twice this season as a key player he's a little bit of a mystery in that he kind of comes in and out of games if that's the the right way to put it he's Nebraska's second leading receiver but sometimes it's just easy to to miss it and with the attention that Trey Palmer is going to continue to garner based on the start to his season, uh, somebody, somebody else needs to step in and, and make defenses pay. I think Washington is the best option to do that. And we've seen him go big once um, in terms of an individual performance. In the loss to Georgia Southern, he had six receptions for 123 yards. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com match. Just go to indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That'll take us to halftime of this week's show. Here's meteorologist Rusty Dawkins, providing the forecast for Saturday's 11 a.m. game. You can follow Rusty on Twitter at at Rusty Dawkins and check HailVarsity.com throughout the week for updated forecasts.
0: Hi there, everyone. Meteorologist Rusty Dawkins for Hail Varsity, and this is the i80 Preview Podcast forecast. And we got Minnesota coming to town. It's November. Feels like we should have a little snow in this forecast. I mean, it just seems right with Minnesota coming to town right is no well we do have a little bit of it in there here's a look at the forecast Uh, by 6 a.m for tailgaters out there Saturday morning on the chilly side temperatures right around the freezing mark and there's a chance for some light precipitation that could be in the form of a little light rain maybe even mixing in with a few snowflakes doesn't look like a big deal right now uh, but the chance for some light snow is there very early Saturday morning not much of a wind it'll be out of the northwest at 5 to 10 miles per hour for a good portion of the morning by 8am we'll be seeing that mixed precipitation possibility still a rain snow mix possible temperatures warming up a little bit around 33 degrees with that light northwest wind and then by 10am i think we're warm enough for just light rain temperatures around 37 38 degrees by 10 o'clock in the morning so just some light rain and a light west wind then by game time kickoff 11am that light rain is, is still out there for a, a possibility otherwise Mostly cloudy skies in Chile, 40 degrees for the kickoff temperature with a light southwest wind at 5 to 15 miles per hour. We continue to slowly warm up as we head through the game. By halftime, light rain still a possibility. Temperatures, though, in the upper 40s with a southwest wind at 5 to 15 miles per hour. And by the end of the game, we're looking at partly to mostly cloudy skies. Uh, the rain should have come to an end by then. And if there is any rain out there during the morning hours, it would just be that light rain. And temperatures in the middle 50s by the end of the fourth quarter with a south wind picking up a little bit at 10 to 20 miles per hour. So that's, uh, that's the forecast for now. If there are any updates, if it looks like that snow becomes a bigger deal or less snow, anything like that, we'll have updates for you on all of our social media channels. Uh, for mine, it's Husker Weather. That's on Facebook and Twitter. Also Rusty WX. That's on all the social media channels and all of the Hail Varsity channels and website. Go Big Red!
1: We'll open the second half with a... With asking the question of why this Minnesota team is ranked ahead of 7-1 Illinois in some of these power ratings, looking over the Gophers' numbers, I sort of see it. The offense is efficient and explosive to a greater degree than Illinois' is. Meanwhile, Minnesota's defense maybe isn't quite as accomplished as Illinois' is, but it's not far behind. The Gophers are only allowing 14 points per game, third nationally. Of course, Minnesota is 5-3 and three in the only standings that matter. But one loss was to Purdue without Ibrahim. Another was to Penn State on the road without starting quarterback Tanner Morgan. The third loss on Minnesota's schedule, well, that was Illinois. Can't argue with that. Still, this is a good Minnesota team. Nebraska has a tough task ahead of it. So how do the Huskers get a win? here are three key things I'll be looking for. Number one, off schedule is the only way to go. The common thread to Minnesota's three, three losses this year is a success rate under 40%. And that's not easy to do. On the season, Minnesota is averaging a 50.2% success rate, which is 13th nationally. The Gophers stay on schedule. They run the ball 63.6% of the time. They go on long drives. But oh, can also hit you with big plays with a 19% explosive play rate. 15-16% is about average. And those explosive plays come both via the run and especially the pass, even though Minnesota doesn't throw it all that often. If Big Ten November had an offensive identity, this might be it. Offensive coordinator Kirk Sharoka. Is back at Minnesota, and honestly, this offense feels a lot like 2019, his last season in Minneapolis, when the Gophers went 11 and 2. Nebraska enters Saturday with a defense success rate at 46.5 percent. That's 114th nationally. Not the matchup you want to see. The 13th most efficient offense against the 114th ranked defense. It's a tough one. Keeping the Gophers at or below 40% in this game is a big ask. But Nebraska has managed it a couple of times this season. It's managed it a couple of times lately. It held Illinois to 39.5% last week. Indiana and Rutgers were both under 40% as well. Both wins, of course. Though this Gopher offense is much better than all three of those. A success rate isn't a number anyone is tallying live during the game unless you're strange like me. Another way to gauge this might be what's happening on first downs when Minnesota has the ball. Gophers average 6.3 yards per play there. Nebraska's defense is allowing 5.4 per play. That number has to be closer to Nebraska's side of things. If not, well, things get even worse on second down, where the Gophers average 6.6 yards per play. And Nebraska gives up those same 6.6 yards per play so far this season. To hit the success rate needed, I think, for Nebraska here, you better see Minnesota in a lot of third downs, which would be hitting those numbers more often than not on first and second, of course. Gophers average just 12.75 third down attempts per game. They just keep things, keep things on schedule and kind of keep things rolling. So... Nebraska somehow has to find a way to disrupt that key. Number two, make Morgan misfire. The difference between six year quarterback Tanner Morgan in wins and losses is pretty stark and getting starker. The more he plays this year, he's completing 72% of his passes and wins just 45% in losses. Last year it was 65 50 split year before that 62 55 year before that, 67 61 year before that man this guy's played a lot of football it was 58 58 so as morgan has gained experience at minnesota he's meant more to the gophers winning or losing football games this is morgan's fifth time facing nebraska and he hasn't needed to do much in those games but he's mostly done what he needed to do well against nebraska he's 56 for 83 completion percentage, with four touchdowns to three interceptions. Whether through the pass rush or strong secondary play, Nebraska has to find a way to disrupt Morgan. Over the last three seasons, Minnesota's three and nine, when Morgan completes less than 60% of his throws, the higher his attempts climb, the better off opponents tend to be too. Of course, that requires stopping the run and one of the best running backs in the Big Ten. Easier said than done. The recipe here for Nebraska would be to see Morgan attempt 25 or more passes with completion rate lower than 60, though there, there have been some games in the past where Minnesota doesn't attempt many throws at all, and it's still the completion percentage part of it that, that comes into play most often, so really focus on that. I'll be really focused on that 60% number for Morgan. Key number three, ready to go out of the gates. What about Nebraska's offense? What about it? <laughs> I'm I'm plenty curious too, after the unit barely topped 30 yards over two and a half quarters of football after Casey Thompson went out last week. To that point, Nebraska was at nearly 220 yards, which isn't far off what... Illinois is giving up a, a per game this season. It was pretty much straight up football to that point. Teams were trading punches and, and Nebraska was in things. Then it all changed. Whether it's Purdy or Smothers that takes the bulk of the snaps this week, if it's not Thompson, of course, Nebraska needs to do something offensively to get them some early success. Joseph talked about Purdy's need for confidence as an inexperienced player. And while he's been in college for a while, he hasn't played a ton of footballs. It makes sense that that confidence isn't there right out of the gates. Can Nebraska help him or some others? Can Nebraska manufacture some confidence via its play calls? We've seen Whipple have some good stuff dialed up. um, And I think they're going to, they're going to need that right away on Saturday start to the game is is going to be huge if the Huskers are going to have a shot. On the year, Minnesota has only allowed a score on two of its eight opening defensive drives. Purdue did it, and Illinois did it. Both ended up beating the Gophers. After scoring touchdowns on four of five opening drives to start the season, Nebraska's offense has come up empty the last three games. The Huskers might have to get back on track here without Thompson against yet another salty defense. There are only salty defenses in Nebraska's Big Ten November 2022. The number to hit here is pretty simple. Any lead after the first quarter, be ahead after 15 minutes have been played. P.J. Fleck is 40-26 at Minnesota. That's a .606 winning percentage. He's just 2-19 when trailing after the first quarter. That's not just happenstance. The gopher team is second nationally in time of possession, one spot ahead of Illinois. The Illini were able to sit on the game last week, and Minnesota would love to do it too. The best way to avoid that? Get a lead, however that has to happen. And that's true if Thompson's able to go too. How it can happen remains an area of intrigue, given the question marks at quarterback though. But so it goes this time of year. Welcome to November. That's the show this week. Thanks as always for listening. If you like the show, do your podcast chores, rate, review, tell a friend. If you want more content like this, subscribe to Hill Varsity. Listeners of the show can get a discount on an annual subscription, which includes 11 issues of the magazine and access to all of our content online. Just visit HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code I-80 at checkout. Thanks for listening.
0: A Hoodat Media Production.